Many arguments have been presented against the existence of God, or at least against the existence of the biblical God. Evolution, God is not needed. There's no scientific proof that he exists. He's simply a crutch for the weak, a Freudian concept. Most of the arguments are rather weak, and with meditative thought can be rationally refuted. David Hart, in his book, The Atheist Delusion, goes through many of the arguments of the atheist and refutes them and makes comments about their weakness. Despite them being set forth by many noted atheists, such as Rick, Richard Dawson, Christopher Hitchens, and earlier by Madeleine O'Hara and many others. And while all atheists' arguments about God not existing are wrong, they are not all weak. Which brings us to our topic this afternoon. What I believe is the atheist's strongest argument. There is one argument that an atheist does and can make that stands, I believe, above others and is destined to probably present the strongest and most ongoing challenge to Christianity and to Christians. It can be stated in numerous ways, but basically basically it says, how can your God allow evil, pain, and suffering to exist. How can an all-knowing, omniscient God, how can an all-omnipotent, all-powerful God, how can an all-benevolent, omnibenevolent, all-good God create or even allow evil, pain, and suffering to exist? The atheist argument is he wouldn't. Therefore, he doesn't exist. First Peter chapter 3 verse 15, we are exhorted to be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks the reason of the faith that we have. And I don't know of anything probably more important for us to answer in our own minds, as well as being able to answer in the questions that we may receive from others. Man has always, it seems, wondered about this evil dilemma. I have Probably you have. I I kind of hope you have, because that tells me at least you think. Because I'm not sure how a thinking person cannot wonder about this. And the problem becomes even more troublesome when it touches us closely. The death of an innocent child, child abuse, cruelty. Seeing the good are sometimes afflicted while the evildoers seem to prosper. Headline after headline raises the question of why can these things be allowed? How can God allow this? But it's not a new question. It's one that's repeated over and over in the Old Testament by the prophets when they ask God, how can you allow these things to continue? And it is, however, not an argument that I believe that we should brush aside lightly. I believe it's a significant argument that needs to be and deserves to be handled with respect 
and a well-thought-out answer delivered. The atheist affirms that evil exists, and they deny that God exists. So there's no tension. Evil exists because God doesn't. But a theist or Christian says that both God, at least the God of the Bible, and evil exist. And therein lies a tension. As Christians, we have a tension that we have to resolve that an atheist, albeit he's wrong, doesn't feel. How can both the biblical God and evil coexist? C.S. Lewis, who at one time was an atheist, wrote, My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I gotten the idea of just and unjust. A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of what a straight line is. And where did the idea of a straight line come from? The idea that a line is crooked demands that one knows what crooked is, and that demands that you know what straight is. Otherwise, we would have no way of defining what crooked is. Likewise, the claim that the world is not just demands that one knows what just is. And if there is a just moral standard that defines justice, there must be a moral just source for that law. And that's called the moral law giver, which is another way, I think, of referring to God. But the irony remains. Pain and evil, I believe, cry out for God. I believe the fact that there is evil is one of the greatest proofs that God exists. Pain and evil cry out for God. But how? To explain how, I think that we have to consider That we only know what pain is by knowing what comfort is. If your foot hurts right now, and it might, probably somebody here has a foot that hurts. How do you know it hurts? You only know it hurts by comparing it to comfort. If you didn't know what comfort was, you wouldn't know what pain was, because pain would simply be the normal. If there is anything wrong anywhere, then there must be a standard of right that defines it. Because you can't know what wrong is if you don't have a right to compare it to. So rather than evil crying out against the existence of God, I believe you can make an argument that evil cries out for the existence of God and the justice that he has defined. Without a moral law of good, we would have no idea of what evil is. And if we have a moral law of good, there must be a moral law giver to tell us what good is. And I contend that's the scriptures. That is the God that we worship. While evil demands that a good standard from a good standard giver or God exists, Tension still can exist, so I think we need to go a step further. But before I go into it philosophically, if you if you want to call it that, 
There is an elephant in the room that I want to talk about for just a moment, and it's a passage back in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 7. There the Lord says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Now, one could turn to that and say, the Bible says God created evil. And that's what the words in most translations, King James, the American Standard, Young's Literal, render it that way. In the New King James, the ESV, it's translated calamity. I make peace and create calamity. The NIV translates that word disaster. I create I make peace and create disaster. When we speak of the problem of evil, definition and context are always essential. And evil is used two ways in Scripture. There is what we would call moral evil, that's the right and wrong that surrounds sin and righteousness. And there is physical evil. Physical evil would be floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, things of nature, things of man. Scripture clearly distanced God from moral evil. God cannot be tempted by evil, and he does not tempt any man, James chapter 1. But regarding physical evils, disaster, calamities, God says, I believe in Isaiah 45 and 7, that he can and sometimes does create them by withholding his peace and by withholding his calm. God can control and use the weather, nature, disasters, calamities to inflict man for his purpose. Floods, plagues, earthquakes, are seen in the Bible sometimes for God using them as his purpose. I don't believe all floods, all fires, all earthquakes are caused by God. Some of them are just by chance and nature. But God certainly has used those. I think the verse that we find in Isaiah 45 and 7 means God is in complete control over nature and that when he sees fit, he will use it for good, Always for good, but it may appear to us not to necessarily be good as we're going through it. Here I believe it is stating that God is able to bring distress, calamity, for instance, on the Babylonians for which he will use Cyrus, as you study your Old Testament, as an agent against them. The word for evil found in verse 7 is the Hebrew word ra, R-A. And it's translated in 1 Samuel 10, adversity, in Psalms 34, affliction, in Psalms 141, calamity, in Nehemiah 2, distress, in Ecclesiastes 8, misery, in Proverbs 15, grief. Isaiah 45 and 7 is not saying that God created moral evil. A perfect God cannot create the imperfect, or he would no longer be perfect. He did, however, make physical evil possible, and he does that when he withholds his peace and his calm. But I believe the problem for of evil for believers continues. God is all good, and God opposes evil. I think we would all agree with that statement. God is all-knowing, and he knew that evil would occur. 
Evil did not surprise God. Adam and Eve disappointed the Lord, but they didn't surprise him because he knew that that was going to happen. And if God is all-powerful and can defeat evil, then why does evil continue to exist? So if you have an all-good, all-knowing, all-powerful God, why does he permit evil to continue? Why doesn't he stop it? Or does it mean he doesn't exist? That's the issue of the argument. Seen another way, or maybe the argument of the atheist, God created all things, and we agree. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Evil is something. It does exist. Therefore, God created evil. But how can an all-good God create a morally evil thing? Well, I can't disagree with point number one, that God created all things. I can't disagree that evil doesn't exist. I can't refute that because it does. So what is our response? I think one of the keys for us to understand as we go through this is that I do not believe God created evil, moral evil, because I don't believe moral evil is a thing. That's a key point, at least in my understanding or in my argument. We're told in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, God created good things, all good things. In James chapter 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift, where does it come from? It comes from God. Everything God gives us is good. Whether we recognize it as good at the time or not, that's another issue. But we've all probably had things that we didn't think were terribly good happen to us, only later to look back and say, I'm glad that happened to me. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it's the first time we have the concept, it is not good. God said that when he looked at Adam, and Adam seemed to be alone. Why was it not good? Was it because Adam was bad? No. I believe it was good. It was not good because there was an absence. And the absence in that particular case was he did not have a suitable helper, a mate, Eve. It was the absence of that that caused God to say it's not good. Now hold that thought as we go down through the next few points. Evil, I believe, is not a thing, but rather it is the absence of good. God created good. He did not create evil. But when Satan, or Adam, Eve, you or I take good out of the situation, then what are we left with? I believe we're left with evil. The hollowness of a tree is simply the absence of the the healthy tissue. If a car, and I guess it couldn't do it now because they're plastic, but they used to be metal. If a car totally rusts, what would you have? You'd have a brown spot in your driveway. If you put a sweater on a hanger, and it becomes totally moth-eaten, what do you have? A hanger. It's gone. It's the absence of. 
What day did God create darkness? We're told he created light, but I can't find where it says he created darkness. Why? Darkness is not a thing. It is the absence of light. There's no passage that I find in Genesis 1 where he said, let there be darkness. We're told darkness existed, but he didn't create it. Because darkness is not a thing. If I could maybe use a more modern example, and we're benefiting from this right now, the air conditioning is making us feel relatively comfortable. Now, what is that air conditioner doing? Is it creating cold? No. It's extracting heat. That's why when you go out and put your hand over the condenser fan, you'll, you should feel hot air. What we have left after the heat is extracted from this building, or some of the heat is extracted from this building, is coolness. Your refrigerator does not generate cold. It extracts heat from whatever you put in the refrigerator, causing it to be cold. But it's not putting cold into the milk. It's extracting heat from the milk. You know, there's an interesting verse as I think about this a little bit in James chapter 4, verse 17. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Now this doesn't directly apply to my topic, but what I believe James is saying is that if you extract good from the situation, it becomes sin. Sin is the absence of good. So if God did not create evil, where did it come from? It comes from our extraction of good from our life circumstances. Satan in heaven introduced evil by extracting God's goodness from his actions and going off on his own. And when he did that, all he had left was evilness. Adam and Eve extracted God's good instruction And what was left? Sin. Failure to do what is good is evil. When God or when good is extracted from the presence of an equation, then you have evil. But yet I think the problem still continues for a moment. If everything God created was good and perfect, and God created the angels, which would include Lucifer, who we look at as Satan, And he created Adam and Eve, and he created all three of those beings initially as good. How could these perfect good creations of God do evil? How can a good, perfect creation do evil? Well, that brings us to the concept of free will. And I do believe God did create that or make that available. Free will is what makes evil possible because it contains the power and the possibility to do other than good. God did not create evil, but he did create good, and then he did create free will, free will, which makes evil possible, though he did not create it. The choice to extract God or good from the situation is our choice, individually as we go through various situations. Therefore, even perfect creatures can do evil, 
if they also have a choice or free will. There is, therefore, no way you can have a free will creature that can't do evil, because if he couldn't do evil, he wouldn't be truly a free will creature. Without freedom or free will, you could not truly love, praise, or have meaningful relationship with others or with God. If you are married, that marriage means something because it was a free will choice. If you are married because of, and I don't think anybody here is, because of the proverbial shotgun wedding, you're not in a particularly joyous relationship. It's the fact that your mate chose you. I think that's a wonderful thing to tell children that are adopted. We chose you. We're glad to have the others, but we chose you. So while God did not create evil, he did make evil possible by giving us free will. He did not make evil, but he did make evil possible. But we, his free will creatures, made or make evil actual. And I think that's another important point. God made evil possible. We make evil actual. Let me try to illustrate this, and almost any illustration has a a few holes in it. So you fill them in for me. Henry Ford made traffic wrecks possible. But is Henry Ford responsible for all traffic wrecks? No. He made them possible, but we make them actual by crashing into each other or into something. We can't blame Henry Ford when we have a wreck, although maybe if there wasn't a car, I guess you could run into your horses. But he made it possible. We make it actual. So therefore, evil arose when a good creature, Lucifer, Adam, and Eve, with a good power of free will, willed their finite or short-term pleasure of themselves above the infinite, long-term, eternal goodness of the Creator. They and we willed the lesser good of themselves over the greater good of God, and by doing so brought evil into the situation. And we do that daily, daily, don't we? If God is all good, he would defeat evil. If God is all powerful, he could defeat evil. But evil continues, not defeated. Therefore, an atheist would say, God doesn't exist. Well, I have to agree, God is all good. I have to agree, God is all powerful. But the key to the third statement was that evil is not yet defeated. The key word there is yet. The fact that God in his wisdom and his patience continues to allow us to make bad choices, us mankind, and evil to exist, does not preclude the concept that God will defeat evil. And in fact, we are told in numerous passages that he will. Evil will be defeated because his nature demands it. He will separate the good from the evil. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 41. Evil is all around us and it bothers us. Sometimes evil people seem to just blow smoke in our face. 
just to emphasize how they can do whatever they want while we, we're trying to adhere to the, to the teachings of the Bible. But you know, in eternity, there will go, there's going to be a smoking section and a non-smoking section. Evil is going to be quarantined. Sometimes people will ask, how could a good God allow there to be a hell? Well, just think about that for a moment. Hell is going to, after the judgment day, quarantine evil so that those of us in heaven will not be exposed to it anymore. We put people in jail to protect us so that we can walk freely on the streets. Sometimes we in our humanists make mistakes, but that's the concept. God is going to quarantine evil, defeat it, so that it can no longer pollute the good. What is evil's purpose? Is there a good purpose for evil? I think oftentimes there is. I don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it. But I think there are many times in the Bible where we can see that evil resulted in something that seemed to be good. Just because you and I often can't see the good purpose for evil doesn't mean that there isn't any. But so much that we can't, so much we can't see at the moment can be evil for good. Remember Joseph? He said, I thought this was an evil thing and now here I am in Egypt and I look back and I see that it's, it's a good thing has happened from it. Esther, her people, being in danger of being extinguished. Daniel taken into captivity. What's good about that? Yet we see lesson after lesson. I'm not saying that all evil that happens to us or all evil that we do ends up in something good, but I do say that God sometimes uses evil as he does everything else to produce something good. Some of you would not be here as children of God if something bad had not happened to you earlier in your life to wake you up or to wake me up. That's simply a fact. I don't know who you are, but I know in a group this size, there's more than one. God repeatedly used evil nations to bring his people back to him. He used evil people to take his son to the cross. Was the crucifixion of Christ a good thing? You bet it was. Did God use evil people to do that? He sure did. Jesus dying on the cross wasn't a pleasant thing. But our salvation hinges on that fact. So let me just recap very briefly. God did not create, neither did he want evil. Heaven was to be without sin. and That's why Satan was cast out, because sin couldn't be in heaven. The Garden of Eden, they were to live forever without sin. God knew they wouldn't, but that was God's hope. God created all things, and they were good when he created them. He also created free will, which is something good, because only our worship to him that is freely, voluntarily given is worth anything. But that produced the possibility of evil that man has since made actual. God did not create evil. He did make it possible. But you and I, mankind, are the ones that have created evil. 
Therefore, by removing God or goodness from our lives and life situations, evil floods into the scene. Just like the cool air right now is flooding into the auditorium because the heat has been extracted. Bottom line, evil is man's fault. Evil is Satan's fault. And it's not something that we dare blame God for since we are the ones that have done it. I do believe, however, this is the strongest argument of the atheist. But it has a false premise that evil is something God wanted, evil is something God created, and therefore evil is something he is responsible for. And all three of those things, I believe, are false and can be refuted with grace, with love, and with firmness.